0: Off the Record, On The Rocks. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another Off the Record, On The Rocks with my good friend, Mr. Ankarino Lara. How are you doing, sir?
1: Doing great, Michael. It's sunny again in Los Angeles. The rains have subsided, so people are out. Get working on their tans a little early.
0: (laughs) February has kind of (laughs) snuck up on me here. Um, We have been really killing it in january just keeping up with the news cycles and we knew that was going to happen i we talked about the energy coming out of december feeling like all the stuff was piling up let's get through the holidays january is going to be fast paced of the kind of seven day cycles that we've been talking through here we are again now heading into february and there's just a ton a ton going on one of the the things that stuck out to me right after our last conversation uh Mm -hmm was the uh, California DMV basically announcing that they were going to bring transactions on the blockchain. And the reason I think it stuck out is we talked about this like a year ago. We have to go back in the archives. You know, season one, we talked about all of those different use cases, all the tangible things for artists, for DMV, for transactions, for tickets. And here we have California stepping in and saying that they're going to work with uh, with Tezos to create these DMV transactions within the state of California. There's a whole bunch of other stuff to get to Amazon, NFTs, what's going on with Coinbase wallets, uh, government stable coins coming back on the scene. So take me through what's the last week or so as we head into February looking like,
1: well, as you know, like, let's just, let's put it into three big buckets so we can kind of structure maybe our conversation today. But yeah, the, the DMV one was just a nice little W on the board. The two of us, because I want to say it was our first, maybe second, maybe third recording, and just you know pontificating, really pr- trying to predict. Well, what would a blockchain really satisfy? What could it? What could be a quick hit? What could be a quick win? It was at a time when there was still all that talk about migrants at the borders, and identifications of people. Yeah. There the were people lessons. talking about putting student records of. Want well, to say all like the Nigerian students at universities were going to be put onto some kind of an education blockchain. All these moments where. The undocumented could be documented. Now, let's leave that aside. But when we talk about documentation of the DMV, which is, you know, sort of, it's like the butt of so many jokes in California and probably all over the country, um, for them to go transparent, for them to like say, we're embracing this as fast as they are, to me is very, is a positive signal just in general for all Web3 and crypto stuff. But I think that we should talk about government services, big companies as one kind of big bucket. There's a lot of, uh, chatter and activity around the fallout around the various ftx collapse what sandbank Ben freed is up to kevin rose and his nft talk etc is its own bucket i almost call that like you know, it's like part in our dust but that was like last month's news but there's still a little epilogue and the third big category we should talk about is you know gosh it's like innovation just the rubber hit the road hard with the turning of the new year and ces hit Not a whole lot of Web3 crypto there, but right fast on its heels, now everyone is talking about AI and chat GPT and avatars and digital twins and all these new buzzwords. I feel like everyone's throwing against a wall and just trying to see what's going to stick. So those are the three big buckets for me. But just to go back to the beginning, man, the DMV on the blockchain, transparency. Tezos? I mean, you know more about Tezos than I do. Why Why Tezos? Why do we even start there?
0: I really couldn't tell you why they would have selected that chain other than it sounds like it's a, you know, the government entity probably getting uh, SOWs, you know, from all of the different blockchains and, and they needed to hire the developers because they're probably building it out as like a, you know, the, the taxonomy literally the taxonomy that the DMV needs to hold in there, your driver's license number, your birth date, your eye color, all that metadata has to be coded into these smart contracts. Obviously the, the, this is, this is something I've been thinking about over the last couple of days. Cause even as I'm describing this, like there's nothing, all these different buzzwords you just talked about, like blockchain. We talked about AI. we we talk a lot about cryptocurrencies in general and decentralization. At the end of the day, these are just the new tools that are being developed currently. The real unlock is in who is going to take those tools and go disrupt what industry? Who is going to use the tools to disrupt what industry? Because that's what social media did. That's what the internet did. It's not like it changed fundamentally the technology, but it's, it's a new tool in the quiver. And I think it's anyway, it's maybe a different take, but in what California is doing here is leading the way. And if they can uh, show efficiencies from it, if it speeds up transactions, if it allows for, you know, interoperability of that DMV data now into other government systems within the state of California, the economies of scale over time, you other states would start to pay attention. Um, anyway, that's a maybe, like I said, a different, uh, non-popular take on what all these technologies are coming together to a head and pulling it all the way down to somebody is disrupting the DMV market and it won't be the last time.
1: Well, I guess, you know, I, I appreciate that take too, but from a perspective, maybe of someone who's maybe as a little less technical on the nuances of all the different chains outside of a couple of the main ones, are these tested at scale? Right. I mean, is is Tezos a blockchain that can be hacked by bad actors if it has never been stress test that way? You know, like the Bitcoin blockchain, the Ethereum blockchain, it has it's constantly being attacked, both of them. And they're constantly fending that off and like hardening security systems, ways in which you can, you know, uh, update code and commits and so forth. So I just you know, it's interesting when you think about these side chains that end up creating a lot of noise publicly. And then they end up getting hacked and and or ransomware for lots and lots of money, or, you know, a whole bunch of email addresses are taken or a whole bunch of sensitive data is taken or whatever it is taken. It ultimately gets sold on the dark web for whatever it's sold for. Um, You know, you're talking about California driver's license records. Now I'm not criminal, but if I were a criminal, (laughs) I was going to try to hack, and wanted to steal a
0: identities point. Yeah.
1: that's a pretty big target and when targets are that big if you only want to go like peel off a little bit of the target in terms of what you're taking and you can do it in a discreet way you're not trying to like bring down the entire dmv's system you know i know i understand that they're testing it and all that and it's going to be a process but it just was fascinating to me that I wouldn't. I wouldn't have expected a word like Tezos to come up because I hadn't heard that that name
0: in like months, so if not I, a year. I I I'm just digging down a little bit further. I think a couple of things. One, it looks like specifically this is going to be used for car titles, so vehicle transfer of car titles, and they're modernizing okay. from a. Current paper-based system. So let's let's keep you know let's keep things in perspective here. They're moving from paper, they're only <laughs> using it for title base. But it does say, quote, commenting on why Tezos was a good fit for the DMV. Uh, this is uh, this is Smith. I'm trying to find out exactly who this guy is. Some Department of Motor Vehicles, uh uh California Smith noted that sellers can move the car title to another state and hide the faulty designations with relatively ease. He's talking about some of the problems specific within the paper system. But he says, commenting on why Tezos was a good fit, uh, that the, the Tezos blockchain, quote, solves some of the really hard problems in blockchain in an elegant way. That's not a really great answer. The uh, person literally has no <laughs> idea what's going on. <laughs> uh, the combination of responsible consensus, on-chain governance, and institutional-grade security. There you go. Responsible consensus, on-chain governance, and institutional-grade security made Tezos a great platform for delivering production-ready <laughs> solutions, he said. so. um the, this article I'm reading $2 also
1: bill says, $2 <laughs> bill says that guy's quotes are written by chat GPT.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cause that's ridiculous. That's just oh, buzzword my goodness.
0: I mean, so spending time here on, on California DMV, we've got other big news in terms of big companies and governments, but none bigger than the behemoth of Amazon. So after weeks of rumors mm. swirling, uh, this kind of, makes its way to the forefront, you know, the the headlines uh last week Amazon quote preparing to launch web3 gaming and nft initiative. Um this was uh from the Tokenist published on mm-hmm. let's see January 27th. So this is a, you know, kind of I guess bubbling under the surface, everyone hearing rumblings and rumors that the 100 pound gorilla is going to step into uh, into web three gaming. I think that's also interesting that it's focused in on NFTs and gaming specifically, uh, quote, allegedly, this is from the article, the project will have web three gaming at its core and offer NFTs as rewards to players. So another good observation and prediction that we've made here is gaming, you know, gaming, taking over the world. And here's a good opportunity for Amazon to leverage their size their marketplace and go all in on web3 gaming and nfts what's your take
1: well you know this one's uh is particularly of interest to me because i have you know friends and family who are in other cloud gaming services competing with amazon Uh, the most notable being stadia which was recently completely unwound by google after a couple years of development um, and just to bring everyone up to speed on what this is, that there's this notion that gaming does not require a console in the future, right? You don't need to buy a Nintendo Switch, an Xbox 360 or an Xbox um, 360. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we will go that far back. Um, and, and a PlayStation 5 or whatever the current systems of these companies are. The idea is, hey, you don't need a $500 or $600 obscure piece of bespoke hardware to play games. And by the way, games being delivered to you on a disc, whether it's a DVD or otherwise, or a Blu-ray, is also obsolete. It's going to come streaming like Netflix does with your movies. Uh, you know, Google through the in. Amazon has their streaming service, which not many people know about. It's called Luna. Um, I actually have a couple. I received some. I was in the beta, so I received some controllers for Luna. With the background in gaming and all that um and you know it's okay right because you can play titles from the past really well as long as they've been modified and to work on your, your platform so the question i think for me is the gaming services can be as powerful as they can be they can have as much money thrown against them as they can be the same way that the vr services and meta with oculus can throw $20 billion a year or whatever it was that Zuckerberg said, it was insane or $2 billion a year for 10 years for a total 20. But if they don't have the games, if they are the compelling IP. and engaging, if the titles <laughs> aren't there, the IP and yeah. it's worthless. Oh. So for me, it's like whatever Amazon's blockchain is that they're going to use, you may have more details on that. That's fine. But if the NFTs and the virtual goods or virtual in-game stuff, doesn't work with, I don't know, Call of Duty, doesn't work with, I don't know, Fortnite, doesn't work with, I don't know, take it, you know, pick your uh, World of Warcraft, pick a title that's really super engaging. Well, then we're going to need to bring in some original Amazon IP, and maybe Amazon has their own Amazon Gaming Development Studios. Um, You were talking last episode about this new Yuga Labs Dookie Run game, which is hey, let's take a genre that works like Temple Run, you know, run, run, make quick moves, kind of like twitchy style gaming, get yourself on a leaderboard, get yourself some cachet. If the games aren't immediately addicting, kind of like a clone of an existing game, or they're not those big budget IT IPs like, you know, your Activision, your EAs and otherwise, I think it's going to have a hard, hard road to sew. So that's why Stadia turned it all off because, man, they couldn't get enough... IP for anyone to care.
0: There's so that's just, my question
1: is, is anyone going to care? Is anyone going to care?
0: It's so much to unpack there because we've talked about the IP. We have talked about Yuga Labs bringing in their new, you know, CEO, former head of gaming and, and thinking about the IP that they've created. Uh, around the board apes and the other side and what they're building in the game. And then here you've got this dookie dash game, which is a very highly addicting game. One of the things, uh, as a quick aside, and I'll come back around to Amazon, but, uh, there was some FUD over the past seven days. It didn't really break through, but that the dookie dash game was, a a, a copy pasta of a like three JS game that you could find the, the code on GitHub but when mm-hmm. a lot of people within the, the Yuga labs community came kind of, you know, to the, to the rescue and said, but the story, but the story, right. The dookie dash, they made up this whole story about the key in the monkey's belly and how it's the key to the other side. And it does come down to the characters, the IP, the titles, as you called them. Um, so yeah, it's going to be fascinating, but we did, maybe we should put, put a pin in this too and come back to, but the, the mint, uh uh the mint mechanics here that we i was thinking a lot about that from the regulatory perspective i think after our last conversation around if it's a play for access right by having the high score you then get uh access to then minting of this new nft that really just gives you this moat of protection around the securities argument but uh Sticking on Amazon for a minute, it was a headline. Amazon has a partner. This is from Barron's. Amazon has a partner for blockchain tech. It's crypto token has soared. So the move has linked uh, Avalanche with Amazon. So the uh, Avalanche being the first to partner with Amazon's cloud services. Um, That's, you know, the first blockchain partner to partner with Amazon. That's, that's no Small thing. I think kind of the same question you asked about the DMV and Tezos. It makes me wonder, like, why? Why a- Avalanche? What is it that uh you know? What is it that they're offering to Amazon that makes them special or unique? I don't know if you've heard anything or know about this particular blockchain, so, but
1: yeah, Avalanche, is, like Tezos, is a, is a weird one. But you know, as I try to like peel back the layers of the onion. On that, like Avalanche, is, I think their ticker is AVAX. If you're, uh, you know, a dumpster diving type who wants to buy some coins, um, <laughs> so some, some alt coins, it's up. three and three point one
0: percent on the day.
1: But what is what, what is? So I did actually go buy a bag of Avalanche when I heard this news, just because you know, from the Avalanches to the Polygon to the Maddox, different, you know, different different types of these, you know, guys are trying to work with big companies. There's, there's something there. There's a project at least. But one of the things I've always found fascinating is that the kinds of games that find their way to these streaming services, you know, Stadia had a lot of original or a lot of initial contact with like, um, the Assassin's Creed franchise. I remember Assassin's Creed franchise being one that was heavily published and Assassin's Creed has many, many games associated with it. I'm sure you've, seen him over time, um, where, you know, he travels through time and appears in all kinds of ancient civilizations. And, you know, even some more modernists, I want to say the most recent one is like the Vikings and Valhalla, etc. Um, that's a French company that owns that as Ubisoft. Interesting. Maybe avalanche has some kinds of European origins and contacts because surprise, surprise, guess what company uh-huh. is one of the number one direct links for Amazon Luna. It's you can link your Ubisoft account to your Amazon Prime account and I guess to your Luna account or somehow they, they merge all of them. And if you are an owner of those games, then they appear in the streaming service of Luna. So, but, but again, but this is not something that has, this is not that new. This is like from the old days of gaming, everyone had this idea that you would even in the old days of music, if you remember way back and talking like the mp3.com days where the idea was, You're going to validate your music or your games now to the cloud, meaning you're going to stick CDs into your computer, your computer's CD drive. It's going to read the unique code and then allow you to have all that music in the cloud for you to go get because you proved you owned it. So similarly, you can stick your disks or I guess your digital code now (laughs) your ledger and say, I own Assassin's Creed blank. I, say, I own this blank. I own Far Cry, which is another franchise we Ubisoft. I own this. And if you do well, now you can play all those games in the cloud. That's how Luna is sort of helping build your library on the avalanche blockchain, I guess. But then again, it's like, what's that's still a parlor trick. I'm, I'm validating things I've already bought. So now the benefit is you're letting me play them without Installing them again, or I'm in the cloud and I'm getting all these cloud benefits or whatever. Dan, I can hit the button on my Luna controller to like record my clip for Twitch or you know the way the Stadia had to record your clip for YouTube. But what is the new game? What is the new IP? You can only go so long convincing people they have to replicate their catalog in the cloud for convenience and for like added benefits. What's new? And if I had to guess, Amazon's been super quiet. They're working on original IP. I mean, they already make original TV shows and movies. Yeah. Why wouldn't they make original
0: games, right? I think that's a a, an, a a smart take that every brand right now is thinking about making their original IP for the long term. Apple, we've talked about their IP. We've talked about that in terms of like what it means for the metaverse, quote, XR glasses and how they film that original content is gonna impact how you consume it. Uh, there's something else you said a moment ago that as we're talking about that, that idea of sticking the CD in and that unlocking, or I made the analogy there of a ledger, uh, something we, we brought up on the last episode about the wallet wars really heating up and the big banks saying they're gonna launch a digital wallet. Um, and you sending me the article about this kind of, you know, really uh, s- slick UI UX move inside of Coinbase, um, that's, you know, one click and establishing your, your custodial wallet or non-custodial wallet. I don't know. It it's, you don't have the keys to it. Uh, if it's under it's a custodial. coin base. It's, Yeah. It's so it's, talk me through well, what was your take well, on so, that wallet yeah. <laughs> and can you connect that back around to all of a sudden, is that where I'm keeping all of my, my games, you know, everything in my wallet is now an NFT and that's the thing that allows me to move between these different blockchains to log into different systems to access the stuff I own.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, because Coinbase is the darling of the government, the fed it's approved, right? That you can buy shares publicly. They abide by all the rules. They were told by the sec don't launch tap, tap, tap don't launch the learning or the earning program. If you do, we're going to sue you. You know, we're going to take you down are about to take down all these other guys etc cetera, etc. Cetera. They have to follow the rules. So it doesn't surprise me that suddenly there's this new little right lower right corner. If you look in your Coinbase app, the lower right corner has changed. And now it says web3 and has a little picture of like a like a Saturn almost, a little swirl, a little swirl around it. And I can see now if I if I'm looking a little bit underneath they need to differentiate We talk about the five pillars of crypto. We've talked about it many times. We don't have to go through all that, but there is going to be a very clear need for for everyone to understand. There's a thing called Bitcoin, which is a store of value and kind of exists over here, and banks are gonna be loading up on it this year, starting tomorrow. There's going to be a thing called alternative coins, Ethereum and other coins that do other things here. And then there's this thing called the metaverse, And the metaverse utilizes some of those altcoins and this thing called NFTs. So in the metaverse wallet or in the web three wallet, when you set it up, it starts kind of trying to educate you about how you're going to keep your NFTs here and your collectibles. They have these different words they use, Mm -hmm. which ultimately be this in game stuff. But then they also talk about the tokens that you might need to put here to like use as currency in the metaverse and they have recommended investments <laughs> they give you three choices they're like five dollars fifty dollars or five hundred dollars or whatever it was like maybe you want to get some mana which is Decentraland's currency maybe you want to get some ada which is cardanos which why they're there who knows you know all these different things where you're like they're kind of giving you the 101 on metaverse that you may need to go to a place called crypto voxels and use a currency called this. You have to go to decentralized and maybe try to use this. You have to go to the sandbox and use sand. And here's what that is. And so, and then, oh gosh, if there's 10 more metaverses that come out, like, are they going to have to have a thing about what meta and Facebook is doing and what the, their currency is going to be? Amazon and their avalanche, of course, you know? And so in a weird way, maybe those 200, or so altcoins that used to exist five years ago, that is now proliferated into like 50,000 currencies. Maybe those original 200 that were always tied to some either metaverse or actually some on chain service are the ones that kind of have their day in the sun again. And Coinbase is going to be the one who's sort of kind of the only like safe, legitimate voice in the room well, because at least the government says it's cool in yeah, the I States mean- and saying like you need to, to get educated on this and we're trying to educate you faster and or as fast as possible because Amazon is going to try to steal that narrative, Apple is going to try to steal that narrative, Microsoft with their investment in MetaMask is going to try to steal that narrative, and every and and like we talked about last week, PayPal, Wells Fargo, they're all going to everyone wants to be your wallet, aka your ticket to the metaverse. So who's going to win? Well, whoever, I guess, steals the narrative quicker right now kind of feels like Coinbase is trying to do a little hoochie coo without saying too much.
0: Well, I think again, in the states, and I, I come back to when we were just talking about Amazon and the one of the you know interesting takes you had there was their connections into the UK market. I think we cannot underestimate. We've talked about Starbucks and you know with the uh, with El Salvador and Bitcoin and how that sort of forces global brands to all of a sudden carry cryptocurrency on their books. So we can't underestimate the global marketplace here. Uh, so that Amazon take about their UK, and now we're kind of focusing in on what Coinbase is doing in the US, but. 10 hours ago, UK Treasury publishes crypto framework paper. You know, His Majesty's (laughs) Treasury has published the long-anticipated consultation paper for the upcoming crypto regulation. This is, you know, an 80-page document covering a broad range of topics from algorithmic stablecoins to non-fungible tokens and ICOs. Uh, This is, you know, coming off the back of the uh, ATMs in the UK being hooked up to Bitcoin. So what's the UK doing here, opening up a framework that's going to allow cryptocurrency to be a standard currency of record within the, you know, within the marketplace. What's, what do you make sense of, how do you make sense of that?
1: Well, and that's on the heels of the news from yesterday, which is that Hong Kong has come out with their equivalent of the UK regulatory body that you just described, I forget the name of them, whether there's a Hong Kong, uh, you know, financial regulation uh, group, they just put up a big flag in in the dirt that says, we will not tolerate algorithmic stable coins. And for those listening uninformed, an algorithmic stable coin is kind of like what Luna and Celsius and these other Voyager, these pegging value to an existing fiat currency, but without the equivalent in the crypto is sort of the underlying uh, paradox of these things. That was why they kind of collapsed. So the UK coming out and clearly outlining we want these rules around these three. They don't come out and outright say these are like banned or illegal, which is like what Hong Kong did, but this is setting the stage for saying, Hey, these are three categories of things that we are going to highly scrutinize right? No stable coins, NFTs, and ICOs, which stands for initial coin offering, which is how five years ago, all these insane altcoins came out and raised all this money. So they're coming out and already establishing these three things are pretty criminally, you know, you're utilized by criminals often. Um, But by out of this, you know, out of one side of their mouth, they said that (laughs) yesterday or today, but then the other side of their mouth, they said, but we fully believe in digital currencies, and we have just rolled out eight a little more than eighteen thousand ATMs all over the UK, which allow you to go and convert British pound sterling to. And I want to say the name of the token is something like the pound token, Did
0: or they the, give the, it a the name.
1: name? <laughs> I want to say there's some name for this. It's really dumb. It's like <laughs> the pound. The I don't know. It says it would be as bad as the e dollar, I guess. But whatever it is, the thing that caught my eye though is it is not a CBDC. It is not a central bank digital currency, right. meaning 18,000 ATMs are not using the government's digital pound. They're using some private company's mirror yeah. version of that. And so that to me feels like it's just a test. So, Maybe they're not calling it that, or I don't two, know. We'll see. Two
0: two quick comments here. I'm reading this article about the UK treasury uh, publishing the crypto framework paper. And it says a couple things, two things finance spared no time in welcoming the paper. I think that's an important point. And then the next one that I think stands out is Ripple's EMEA policy director, Andrew Whitworth called it a quote, big step said from today, the government should encourage further collaboration with the private sector to defi- to devise a comprehensive <laughs> risk-based framework, which aligns with international best practice. I mean, that is well said, uh, Mr. Whitworth calling it a big step and specifically calling out the government is now collaborating with the private sector to now stand up this, this cryptocurrency framework to your point, does this now preclude them from launching a CBDC or just allowing the private sector to go first?
1: Well, I would say that that Whitworth comment is a direct dig against the United States government, because the United States government, let's not forget, and the SEC are currently have been in a protracted courtroom battle with Ripple. And the United States is not working with private companies. And this is one of the biggest gripes of the community, which is we're (laughs) the center of innovation in the world. (laughs) And now you're doing everything you can to attack American innovators and drag them into lawsuits and try to just destroy them and what amounts to more like an extortion, like pay money as fines or go away. And so, yeah, in the UK, suddenly it's like, wow, you know, everyone's speaking the Queen's English and innovation thrives and private sectors co- is collabing with the government. <laughs> that is in stark contrast with Ripple's current situation with the SEC. But it should not be left aside that there was a huge win, as the crypto enthusiasts would say, against this case that the sec had against a a coin a token called library um which was sort of bizarre because it's such a small and unknown thing and they just dropped the case so it's no wonder that when the case against library was just dropped creating some precedent in the united states that all cryptocurrencies on the ethereum blockchain are not securities by definition because they didn't say that in their ruling well, gosh, then Mr. Whitmore or whatever you said his name was must feel pretty gully out in the UK being like, yeah, let's we're, go. we're <laughs> let's, let's, go. let's work with the government. Everything's <laughs> great. So it's like, the t- again, the timing of all these things, it's all about the timing and the narrative. Um, will Ripple and XRP survive? I don't know, because they're kind of sort of just a stable coin. And I think ultimately they're like, let's just drop the case against the library because, you know, governments are going to shut down stable coins until... The United Kingdom decided, let's use a weird stable coin that's not our own government-made thing. It's a test. I can only think it's a test because either that, or they're going to like subsume that Digital Pound company and make them almost like an apparatus of the government, the way that we've done the same with the, the with uh, the IRS and the Federal Reserve. I don't know. It's it's a very weird move, but one that's very like as as Whitmore said, and as you just highlighted very pro crypto. I mean, gosh, everyone should be high-fiving on that one.
0: I think it's actually interesting that the UK partnering with the private sector before trying to go at it themselves, because the global market looking at what, you know, was the failed attempt at the Euro wouldn't trust the UK to take this on. Um, I I don't know. That's That's interesting. That's just my hot take of like, maybe they're sitting there saying, you know what guys, we're going to just lean on the private sector here, let them go first see where this pans out before we even have to worry about stepping in with the you know a, a true central banking digital currency. Um, I think we've taken things from the the top UK regulatory big brands stepping in, big movements there. There's some kind of uh, uh, you know subtopics that I wanted to get into, things still going on. You, you mentioned it at the top. Um, FTX still can't go away. Uh, there was this hack from Kevin Rose that we kind of called out on last episode. I think it may have just happened. And I don't know if we had really processed, processed it yet, but it was like the day after he got hacked, there was some tweet about like new, you know, uh, uh, privacy for Ethereum wallets and new kind of, uh, uh, cyber measures that Kevin Rose may or may not be invested in. Uh, so just really interesting, like, uh, uh, sub subplot lines here around security around NFTs, the um, FTX creditors, you know that that still going on. SBF still emailing employees. They don't have his laptop. Like that stuff's still happening. That that has not gone through, you know, the court system cycles yet, which inevitably will give it another bump back into the news cycle. Let's not forget about that. Uh, when is that mm-hmm. going to come back around? Um, and just even here, as we're on the phone, I think any minute now uh, Meta is gonna be announcing their uh, their earnings release. And you may have already preempted this as well, but huge loss in terms of their bet in the metaverse. So these are kind of the narratives that I'm seeing just right beneath the, the surface, uh, 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 opposed to the big things that we just talked about. Um, what's, your, what's your take on SBF and uh, what's going on there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you talked. Just it's absolutely correct that staying relevant means having news, you know, about you, whether it's good or bad. Um, The thing that that is highlighted is like in a macro way, you know, the FTX debacle and the loss of the fifty billion dollars is, you know, a metaphor for so many other rug pulls, so many other, you know, ICOs, so many other programs and services that have come and gone. But that have ultimately stolen investor money um and the kevin rose example is like we all know sbf you know he, who, who knows really what was his motivations were is he still trying to extract money and value out of these alameda research company relationships that he had with caroline ellison and his you know on again off again girlfriends and all these things That's sort of it's, it's it's a it's a it's a soap opera of crypto if you will but then to bring it down to maybe a little bit of a smaller scale is well if i'm kevin rose and i want to promote my privacy interests then wouldn't it be the best thing for me to have a debacle and loss kind of like the way ftx has this huge <laughs> loss and then suddenly regulars can come in and everyone's excited about yeah. cleaning up this you know messy industry I, you know, I, we don't know, but it's, you know, it's, it could it could be the case that that it was a bit inside job, you know, a PR stunt, a way to increase interest in privacy wallets on the heels of, you know, Vitalik and talking about that on the Ethereum blockchain, people being banned from their phone, their laptops. It's a nice idea, but we've talked about this, you know, many times that. In this day and age, man, you can go take someone's phone and their laptop, but they have another phone and their laptop. And even if they don't, a DoorDasher will deliver it within three hours and they're back online. So (laughs) are you really, is it just noise that you're saying? Are you trying to establish any kind of press? I don't know. But uh, I feel like these are the dead horses. They're going to keep being beaten for month after month and being referenced as... All this regulation starts coming from Congress. Um, just yet another, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Rose ended up on Capitol Hill talking about FTP marketplaces, uh, NFT marketplaces. Like we've it's talked just, about it's those characters,
0: that cast of characters trying to sort of make their way into that narrative. And here's Kevin Rose. You know, we've brought his name up more times in the past three or four episodes. It came up early with Moonbirds when he launched that NFT mm-hmm. project. And now he's sneaking into our, our conversation so yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he finds himself uh, you know part of that that cartel that's you know would be helping to drive that story around web 3 and decentralization but still having security privacy measures in place for the consumers for the end customers uh,
1: yeah and one note on the the meta losses I, I don't know that we've had the earnings call yet I'm looking now but the article that piqued my interest was that the meta losses were around $14 billion last year, which is uh, was what was printed in the article. But you talk about stealing the narrative. <laughs> we talk about that a lot. How about confusing the narrative? Because it was just like a week ago that Zuckerberg is pledging to spend $2 billion in investment, quote unquote, in the metaverse each year for the next 10 years. And so when you see that number like when i read that number i'm like wait these guys aren't messing around they're going to go 20 billion dollars between now and the year 2033 that is a huge commitment it kind of makes you sit back a little bit and think gosh they're going to be hiring they're going to be rmd it's, it's it's, this is going to be a great new entire vertical of business for for meta as a company for out you know for the their whole their whole out their whole operation but then the article hits that says they lost fourteen billion last year. <laughs> so I'm like, well, gosh, that two billion dollars you're going to invest doesn't seem like that much money. If you look, you got another fourteen going out the other door. I mean, are, is it just a are we stealing from Peter to pay Paul here in the metaverse, or are we stealing from Peter's avatar to pay Paul's avatar? What's happening?
0: I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not reading through the actual earnings release, but I guess the uh, Meta's earnings call is happening as we speak live. Uh, so from the Meta earnings call, Zuckerberg quoted saying, we're going to be more proactive about cutting projects that aren't performing or may no longer be as crucial. That's interesting to me, knowing that he's been pouring cash into quote metaverse projects, uh, with horizons and all the different, you know, avatar projects and the, the, um, the meta Quest, you know, the VR goggles. And I wonder if that is maybe an early signal that and I'll come back around to Apple because I'm putting it, you know, we, we, several months ago, we talked about Facebook and Apple quietly competing to own the metaverse. Um, neither one of them overtly talking about the other you know, from a competitive standpoint in that way, but it just seems to make sense that Apple, I think long-term play focused in on augmented reality. That, that was my hot take about, you know, if, if Facebook's going to own the metaverse and it's going to be this thing that sits on your head, then Apple's going to own reality and it's going to be in augmented shape. And I wonder if that quote, the 2 billion, uh, getting lost is maybe an early signal to watch. You know, do they scrap pieces of the VR development? Do they scrap pieces of the, uh, you know, the sort of voxelized metaverse environments and start quickly trying to move to the photorealistic augmented reality, the NVIDIA stuff? You know, that requires the you know high processing power that looks like reality in front of you. That anyway, that's that's a real hot take to to. Extrapolate that from a single quote, but it stands to reason to watch over the next 12 months if he's talking about cutting projects that no longer make sense. You know, which of those two billion are losing money? And it makes me think that the metaverse was never what Zuckerberg sold you it was over the last 12 months because nobody knew what it was. And they're not even focused in on or talking about the the gaming side of it, the NFT side of it. I mean, they started to with the, uh, Instagram, all of a sudden you could do NFTs, but you didn't hear anything about that. Why can't I bring those NFTs into my quest game until you can do those things that interoperability between their own ecosystem. I just wonder if they start, start cutting some of those VR projects that don't make sense.
1: I mean, that is, that's a super hot take. I mean, if they just turn Oculus off, that's a huge signal. Um, we talked about companies who are quiet and companies who make noise in the news, Facebook talks a lot, Apple doesn't.
0: If they know Apple's prepping something that they got to catch up to already, hasn't (laughs) even come out yet. And they may know that they got to catch up to it.
1: I mean, look, Tim Cook's not coming out and talking about losing $14 billion, you know, last (laughs) year, you know, he's talking about the new product. He, He, the ecosystem of Apple is, is so tight and so well defined. You know, Facebook's kind of falling into the pattern of old tech, which is like shame on you, new tech Facebook. But they're falling into the pattern of oracles and the adobes who came before them, which is we can't build it here. So we're going to buy it and then we're going to connect it. And like you said, you know, I've forgotten. You can still mint every Instagram post. You can mint the memories on the timeline. They invented the word timeline. Well, I feel like we invented it, but they stole it, but whatever. But you know what I mean? Like these guys are so good at stealing narratives and buying companies but they're actually really bad at cobbling together a unified experience so like yeah like you said while they may, may have been way ahead with with uh penetration to an audience who might have been receptive to the, what an nft is they bungled the way that they should have positioned that they were way ahead with acquiring oculus and doing these forward-leaning stuff with gaming but then they bungled it because they confused VR gaming with the metaverse. And there's it's really easy, I guess, when you have billions of dollars at your disposal to hire up that many people and to just throw everything you got at it. And I think it's going to work. I've been in enough corporate environments that had lots of money to know that actually having more people and more money is often to your detriment when you want to innovate. So it's no surprise to me that they're scrambling. But you know what? It's not Tim Cook on Capitol Hill answering questions about the metaverse, it's Zuckerberg for better or for worse. So that's something that Apple needs to come out and take, I think a forward position on if they're serious about having, about building that relationship.
0: Yeah, soon Apple's gonna need to make make some moves in that space. Uh, A couple other loose ends uh, just kind of in the NFT. And then I wanna touch on the AI side of things a little bit too, but I would like to give the the kind of latest in the culture news. um, One that really caught my attention uh, this week was Nike and Tiffany's taking out a full page ad. Uh, actually, that's interesting in and of itself, the medium, right? In the newspaper, it was a Tiffany's mm-hmm. blue box, Nike shoe box in Tiffany's blue. That's the better way to put it. Uh, mm-hmm. Just had the swoosh on the on it and it said, you know, the perfect pair. Um, fascinating so execution cool. from a marketing perspective. A, that they kind of went down the newspaper path. That just seems web two, doesn't it? Uh, web 1.0 i guess <laughs> <laughs> or um, web
1: negative. 1. yes exactly
0: <laughs> pre internet um but it's that man even that's making me think about like it just established Tiffany's
1: buyer who is exactly. the Tiffany's buyer
0: but the thing that's really got the web 3 world everybody's pontificating and it makes sense these two brands have both been leaders in the nft Web3 ecosystem. So you've got Tiffany's, you've got Arnault, you know, creating bespoke Tiffany's punk necklaces that sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you've got Nike and the acquisition of artifact and forging physical sneakers from digital purchases. And here we go. You've got Nike and Tiffany's to, uh, you know, these these are heritage brands in the fashion space in the luxury space and they're both doing really innovative things in web three. And they haven't said a word about what this collab is going to, uh, to be in terms of its utility. But the, the marketplace, at least the people in my ecosystem talking about web three and talking about NFTs and brands are paying attention to this one. So one to really, uh, really keep an eye on. Um, and then in the AI space, Just talk about stealing the narrative. Microsoft keeping themselves front and center with all the competitors scrambling. What's Google gonna do? You know, I saw some daily active users now uh, surpassing that of Instagram. Uh, I don't know if now's time you tried to log into ChatGPT, but it's typically down, you can't get into it. They're launching their premium subscription. So, you know, keep an eye on the AI side and what the other competitors do. Um, Any final thoughts?
1: Oh man. My only final thought is if there is going to be a metaverse, I would like for it to make my life easier and less complicated. And right now it feels like as we talk yes. about all of these <laughs> forays into the metaverse that it gives, it like raises my level of anxiety because it seems like my life is suddenly getting more complicated. And so, but by, but by contrast, my reality is therefore becoming more simple. So I enjoy these conversations uh, and as we great take. fall forward into this world, because it actually makes me feel like we're, we're kind of living our best lives right now, IRL. And, uh, and maybe someday the Metaverse will actually be a better version of that, but I don't think it's coming anytime soon.
0: I will leave it there. I love that take. We'll do it again soon, sir. Thank you very much.
1: Great talking to you.
0: Off the record, on the
1: rocks. Mm-hmm. Okay.